Okay, so it's Tuesday. It's unapologetically black unicorns as usual, but we're getting ready to uh, hop into the holiday season. So usually on unapologetically black unicorns, I'm talking about mental health stuff. I have you know guests who talk about mental health or you know anything as I say cool to advance human existence. So today I have somebody really cool here because why I am home and I am home with my father. So generally you all hear me say, oh, my dad said, well, my dad told me, well, now you get to hear from my dad. So, hey, dad. Hi, I'm not a phantom after all. No. I'm your dad. Yay. In Philadelphia. Yay. Yeah. Yay. So here we are in the same place. Quite. It's quite unusual because we are bi-coastal. You're in California. And normally I'm in Florida, except that we're both here at our family home in Philadelphia today. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's right before the holidays. So this is a time, I think the last time I did a little special holiday episode, it was on Thanksgiving. And I was talking about, ooh, what's to be thankful for? I was a real downer. Sorry. But this time, why don't we talk about, I don't know, maybe the holidays? Or what do you want to talk about? Well, I, I thought I would talk about something happy. But uh, also, I'm toying with a question that's been posed to me by you and others, whether I like being here in Pennsylvania versus being in Florida. And my answer has been quite candidly that it's been uh, a mixed situation. Both have its spices and its virtues. Mm -hmm. And uh, the virtue here is that this is our family home in Philadelphia. But at the same time, there's Florida with its sunshine. And what does this song say? Is it true what they say about Dixie, that the sun shines all the time? Mm-hmm. It almost does. Mm-hmm. So in a word, <laughs> I'm enjoying both the East and the West Coast this time. Mm-hmm. You're going to get into politics. Just go for it, Dad. Really. <laughs> I know you're, 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 you're really holding back. You don't have to hold back. Well, I'll, I'll con- confess that uh, we've talked about the fact that there are some problems in Florida that I find a little bit difficult to contend with. And I'm talking about the politics of the, of the state mm-hmm. relative to uh, our reaction to the virus, anti-masking attitude. Mm-hmm. And I'm especially concerned about this politicization of the so-called uh, critical race theory, mm-hmm. which I think is being used to frighten parents went with a straw man that really doesn't exist. And it's unfortunate because it might lead finally to public book burnings Mm. uh, with politicians telling people what should and should not be taught in school. Mm -hmm. When I think that really we should be encouraging our teachers to teach history that is objective, demythologized, social science and social studies and civics, not about making us patriotic, but about making us inform citizens who want to be involved for the good of the country. So that's why you're an unapologetically black unicorn. Yes, you didn't even know that, did you? I had no idea. In fact, I just wondered where that name came from. Now I know. Yes, yes. I'm partly to blame. Yes, you're partly to blame. (laughs) And um, I am your offspring. So I guess, you know, what do they say? The fruit doesn't fall far from the tree. Is that the saying? I've heard that. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. But when, when you're talking about critical race theory, one of the things that's happened in mental health is that 
people have sort of glommed on mental health with critical race theory because there's a concern that in the um, school systems, they're teaching kids about bullying and mental health and suicide prevention. And, you know, folks are saying, no, we don't want our kids taught that. That's the parent's job. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, there's all of this, well, who gets control over what? Um, who gets to control what information that goes um, to our students. And um, so it's really interesting to me that, as usual, somebody's gone something else on related to mental health with something completely different. Right. And it's all about riling up people, you know, playing on their emotions and variously for the wrong reasons. Mm. And uh, I think if we're going to truly be the democracy that we say we are and the shining city on the hill that we say we're going to be, uh, we need citizens who want to be involved and who mm -hmm. understand our history. Mm -hmm. uh, because there's truth in that expression that those who forget history are likely to repeat it. Mm -hmm. And therefore, if we don't teach an objectified, non-mythologized history, we're going to have citizens who will make the wrong decisions about such important matters like voter suppression, why we you know, redistrict uh, voting areas and that sort of thing. So indeed, I don't think that we should put the burden on parents to do what teachers are trained to do. Oh. And indeed, the best of the world would be to have teachers and parents collaborating for the better good for their children and then for the country. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love that. Wow, the collaboration. So we got into politics because I knew we had to. <laughs> I just, I didn't want you to hold back. I got a sense there was this, well, this is the holidays. Well, at this yeah. age, I can't hold back. Yeah, I, well. I, I must use my time judiciously and holding back now at this age oh will not God. be a judicious use of my time. <laughs> and here we go. Okay, well, I'm glad you're using your time wisely with me. Um, and I'm glad that I'm here because I haven't seen you for two years. And that is um, because, of course, the pandemic and travel and being very cautious, you know, especially as African Americans who are being doubly, triply hit by uh, the COVID and the pandemic. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad we're together. And, you know, just to be open and honest and unapologetic. Mm -hmm. uh, so people know, you know, I arrived um, on the anniversary of, you know, my mother's death. And, you know, your best friend, your wife, so mm -hmm. forth. And so it was really, really impactful for me to be here during this time. I think it's so important. Yeah. Well, you've just given me a cue to a segue when you mentioned your mother, because I remember her actually in tears, so happy that she had a little girl when you were born. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know she was so much committed to wanting a girl, having had a son already, your brother. And that reminds me, can I talk a little about the day you were born? Go for it. Go for it. <laughs> this, is, this is embarrassing, but go for it. I'm an open book. Anyway, uh, we were in West Germany. And quite candidly, I don't think the German nurses had ever seen a black child before. Mm. So when I came into the OBGYN ward to see you, the nurses were lined up in the hallway. And I heard one of them say, Is der der Vater? In German, which means, Is he the father? And I answered the nearest thing to, you better believe it, Yavol, Gansbich Temp, their father. Yes, you're damn right. I'm her father. <laughs> yeah. But that was a glorious day. And uh, you sure it wasn't because I had a unicorn horn and they were, no, it was because I was a black baby. Okay, got it. Well, what I think was most uh, striking was that you were born with a full head of hair with a perfect barber doll. 
hairdo. Mm-hmm. And uh, the nurses were quite intrigued and waiting to see uh, who the father was. <laughs> wow. You know, it's very interesting that you bring the story up. And I actually do like hearing the story of my birth because I'm not going to remember it. You all have to recount it for me. But I know many times when I was struggling with my own mental health, you know, especially with deep, deep, deep depression. And I don't think mom always knew exactly what the struggle was, but she could tell that I was struggling with understanding purpose and meaning and why I was put on this earth. I think she understood that part. So when I got to that point where we would be talking and she could tell I was struggling, she would tell me about how um, how much she wanted a little girl, mm-hmm. um, how much she just prayed for this little girl, wanted this little girl, and how excited she was when I came out and that she was crying and she was so excited and basically saying that I did have this purpose here because I had been prayed into the world by her. Yes. So it was the thing that would help me remember, even if I couldn't see what was going to happen, if I didn't have the hope in the moment, mm-hmm. she was reiterating to me that, I have this purpose. I might not know it yet, but it will come to fruition, whatever it was. Yes. So I really love that she was well, doing Your that. mother was very prescient, almost prophetic. Mm. And I share with you that we were both concerned that we moved so much. We were such vagabonds with you and Carl growing up, with your having been born in Germany and then living in the Far East in Korea and traveling throughout the world and the country with us. But we thought that maybe that was a negative uh, attribute mm-hmm. or aspect of your bringing up. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm not quite sure yet if we weren't doing you harm. No, you did me no harm. As a matter of fact, mom apologized to me. How many parents will apologize to their adult children about something they felt like they didn't know was the right or the wrong thing? And so one time mom said um, there were two things she apologized to me for. One of them was not being able to see the Rocky Horror Picture Show when I was a teenager because when she finally saw it, she was like, oh, that actually wasn't as bad as I thought it was. There was nothing in there that you wouldn't have known or couldn't have seen. I'm really sorry I didn't let you see it as a teenager. And I'm like, what? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing was um, about the moving around. She had a lot of concern about moving around. We had to move every three years. And um, it was hard for me to make friends or keep friends the way that other people do because we were moving so much. And I told her two things. I said, one, um, when I came out of the womb, by the way, did an instruction book follow? I don't think so, right? <laughs> so no, 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 no instruction, instruction book. book no. And then I said, secondarily, um, the moving around actually makes me so adept at being able to meet other people where they are, not have people meet me where I am in particular, meaning I love learning languages and studying different languages. I love meeting different types of people. And I think because I've had that quote unquote worldly experience Mm -hmm. for lack of a better way of putting it, I think it makes it much easier for me to be able to understand and meet people from all different cultures and walks of life. So I think Mm -hmm. it was actually quite a blessing, even though you might not recognize it in the time. Indeed, during while it was happening, we did not recognize it. As a matter of fact, we worried that maybe being in a household where, you know, two languages were being spoken you know, uh, Nanny in Germany was speaking German, and I joked about her telling Kyle, Schluck unter Kyle, you know, swallow Kyle, because uh-huh. he wouldn't swallow his food. And uh, in Korea, you know, we were talking tonight about uh, foods that we ate in Korea, uh-huh. and how uh, Mrs. Kim would talk about pop and pop uh-huh. and that sort of thing. And we thought maybe that would be confusing in terms of not knowing 
that one language was yours and one culture was yours and yeah. and indeed one race, but at least we came to understand that we're actually all members of the human race. Yeah. And that race, as we talk about it today, is more a pigment of our imagination than it is really a pigment of our complexion. You know what I'm saying? I do. I do. At the same time, I think that that did become sort of the difficulty of, I think I was about maybe six or seven years old. I came into the backyard and I was playing something and you were doing whatever. I came out of the black backyard into the library or whatever. And I said, hey, dad, am I a Negro? And you shot up to kind of look out at, like, who's out there asking, like, was somebody out there making fun of me? You didn't know what was going on. And I think you hesitated to answer the question. This was, um, okay, I'm aging myself, but let's just say it's between the 60s, somewhere in the 60s. Let's just say that. And um, I think you were worried about, well, who, how should you answer? So you hesitated. And when you answered, you said, oh, yes, yes, you're a Negro. I said, oh, okay. And then I just picked up the ball and went back outside, right? That's what I remember very clearly. I yeah. was in Kansas. And when you asked that question, oh, my God, am I ready for this conversation with this little girl? Yeah, yeah, no. And then when I said, well, yes, you're a Negro. That's what we were called then. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Uh, when you said, okay, yep. and went back to play as though nothing was different, I said, oh, my God, what a blessing. <laughs> yeah, but I wish it were that easy, kind of, you know, continuing to grow up because I, people did make fun of me because of my accent or lack thereof or because I had long hair or, you know, oh, you're not black enough or, or are you really black? Like, what does that even mean? So I think that was, uh, you know, one of those struggles, I think, but um yeah, I mean, I, I've heard a lot of people go through that kind of thing. So, yeah, it's yeah. common among children who were born of parents who travel, yeah. living in different parts of the world, you know. That's why I don't like calling it being an army brat, because that's one of the terms people will use for, you know, uh, kids who grow up in the army life who travel, just like, um, uh, you know, PK kids, preacher's kids, uh, you know, people who are in the missionary, missionary kids, the same sort of thing, this sort of expatriate kind of life. But I don't like calling it bratty. Um, I think of it more as mm, maybe it was more of a global nomad because the experience wasn't bratty per se. It was tough, but I'm glad I had it for sure. Yeah. And it served me well too. And yeah. I've said numerous times, you know, when I think about that little quote-unquote colored boy who grew up in Jacksonville, Florida, mm-hmm. and I picked up a letter from uh, Governor Rendell the other day, and I said, damn, he wrote me a letter. I never thought I'd be getting a letter from a governor, you know, mm-hmm. and then another letter from another, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, well, there are experiences that I could not have scripted. And I say so very frequently to my former students, you know, just be ready for the opportunity. You don't know what the future holds and that the door of, will open to only those who are ready to receive the visitor. So I think we've been fortunate, blessed yeah. to be ready to receive some of the positive experiences we've all had, you know. I 1,000% agree. And you know what? I think this is a great place to say, I love you. Wow. It's my daddy. You all have heard from my dad. You're going to hear more from him because he's written a book. And we're going to talk about that in another episode. But I thought this was a nice time for us to get on and share the cheer with everybody before the holiday season. Wunderbar. So thank Very you. Very good. All right. Thanks, Dad. Thank you. Oh, I just love talking to my dad and having that great conversation with my father, especially around the holiday times. So I want to wish our listeners just a wonderful holiday season 
And yeah, drop us a line. Let us know what you're doing during this holiday time, especially to find that peace of joy in your life.